0: Why, hello there, nerds. I'm Ash. And I'm Nat.
1: And you're listening to Crime Time Nerds, a sister podcast.
0: Welcome, nerdlings. Today's episode is a special one for us, as it is a two-part series we are doing on a Jane Doe case from out in Oregon. We are very honored to cover this case, as we know just how important it is to get the word out on some of these older cold cases, especially when it is regarding unidentified persons that authorities are still in the process of trying to solve.
1: Yeah, for reals, we are so happy to cover this case as we actually had the honor of getting to do an interview, which this will be a two part series and the second part will air next week, And the interview is with the amazing researchers, forensic specialists, and the online community members who have taken this case and given their all to try and give tonight's victim back her identity.
0: We are always happy to help use our platform to amplify the voices of these amazing people who work tirelessly to try and solve these cases. So tonight, we're going to chat about the Finley Creek Jane Doe, who was found back in 1978 and remains unidentified to this day.
1: Tackling a Jane or John Doe case is no easy task. Out of the 4,000 unidentified remains that are found each year, 1,000 are never solved within that time frame, and they become what is known as a cold case. Some of the most useful databases that exist for helping to solve unidentified victims is that of the site, Name Us, and the subsequent site, The Doe Network. NAMUS was created in part by the DOJ back in 2009 as a way to help aid unidentified victims by connecting forensic specialists with a database for unidentified victims, as well as to give the family members of missing individuals a free of charge database that they could easily access in order to try and help connect unidentified victims with their former identities. According to the NAMUS website, which, quote, In collaboration with NIJ, the National Forensic Science Technology Center, NFSTC, and Occupational Research and Assessment, known as ORA, developed and launched the Nameless Unidentified Persons, or UP, database in 2007. The following year, the Name Us Missing Persons database was launched, and in 2009, the databases were connected to Automatic Case Comparison, expanding the power of Name Us to make associations between missing and unidentified persons, NFSTC managed the Name Us program through September 2011 in partnership with NIJ." Unquote. The Doe Network is a volunteer-only based organization that helps to draw attention to unidentified persons cases and aid investigations by creating potential matches for missing persons with those unidentified Jane and John Doe's that exist within their database. The Doe Network was initially created in 1999 by a group of persons looking to help aid in solving many unidentified victims cases and to give these nameless victims back their identities – Both of these sites work hard to try and give a voice, web presence, and a name to the unknown victims who exist within their databases. It is databases like these, coupled by amazing forensic specialists, DNA testing, and strong investigators, and also social media groups, that are helping to solve more and more unsolved crimes and Jane and John Doe cases each and every year. Hopefully, one day, many of these nameless victims will soon again be given back their identities and give their loved ones some form of closure as to what happened to them all those years ago.
0: These are all amazing tools that have come through for cold case investigations in recent years, and we hope to see more and more identities being given back to these nameless victims. And with that, nerdlings, it's time for us to leave the light and strap on our hiking boots as we travel the paths of Elgin, Oregon, back in 1978, when the body of the woman known currently as the Finley Creek Jane Doe was first discovered. Our case begins on August 27, 1978, in the woods of Elgin, Oregon, when hunters in the Elgin, Oregon woods came across the skeletal remains of a person in the woods that day. It was determined that the crime had more than likely happened previously to the date of discovery, which was August 27 of 1978. Elgin, Oregon is a small city in Union County, Oregon that according to the 2010 census has a population of about 1,711 people. The city is named after a ship that was lost on Lake Michigan named the Lady Elgin. The city was settled initially by hunters and trappers, and it was a supply stop for many woodsmen and travelers back in the day. Elgin, Oregon still has a strong outdoors tradition to this day. There are trails for hiking, you can go camping in the summer months, there's snow as it's a more mountainous region, so folks who like the winter activities of skiing and snowmobiling are able to do so, which honestly sounds really similar to Vermont. Hunting is still a popular pastime in this area, as it is throughout many locations in the United States. And about 10 miles away from the city of Elgin is a wooded area that is home to a bed of water known as Finley Creek. On the day of August 27, 1978, a pair of hunters from the Milton Freewater area, Ron Swiger and Lee Parr, were out for a day adventure in the woods alongside Finley Creek, which was about 10 miles northwest of Elgin, Oregon. While trekking through the woods, preparing for their morning of hunting, the men came across what looked to be a skull and some clothing, which looked to have been uncovered by an animal digging near the creek at some point recent to the discovery of the skull. The remains had been ravaged by animals, but the two hunters immediately recognized the remains as human bones. The men called in the awful discovery to the Oregon State Police, who conducted an investigation in the area and discovered a shallow grave in the Elgin Woods. One thing of interest is that in Union County, back in the 1970s, law enforcement duties were handled by Oregon State Police as the county sheriff's office which Vermont actually still has many towns that are under state police jurisdiction, as we don't always have local town police forces. The grave was located roughly 100 feet from the road that was located across the dry bed area of Finley Creek, and it was up on a small embankment. The grave was found to be beneath a log on that small embankment along Finley Creek. The Grand Observer, which was a local newspaper, reported that the grave site was around 200 yards from the Finley Cow Camp, besides the Finley Creek Road, which straddled a narrow deer trail. Detective Baker was the first to arrive at the scene of the crime. And shortly thereafter, other officers joined him, including Oregon State Police Lieutenant Kirk Wyrick, Crime Scene Technician John Spilker of Pendleton, Oregon, and the Union County District Attorney Dale Mammon. Lieutenant Weirich gave a statement to the Legrand Observer that the discovery of a skull was determined to be of a human being, as well as clothing that had been found at the scene of the crime. No personal identification of the remains was found, and at that time, investigators were unable to determine who the remains belonged to, or even if the remains were those of a male or a female. Upon exhuming the gravesite further, authorities found within a block of earth located in the skeletal remains of the adult's abdominal cavity, smaller bones and remains. It was with this discovery that authorities were able to indicate that the remains more than likely belonged to that of a woman who had been possibly pregnant and buried with her child still unborn. The Oregon State Medical Examiner determined that the young woman was aged anywhere from 18 to 25 years old at the time of her death. At her shallow gravesite, investigators found clothing and other items that were located with her and her unborn child's remains. These items included a white halter top or bra style top, ankle high lace up shoes, remnants of clothing that consisted of red cloth, white cloth, additional white cloth with small red hearts and zippers. Red Catalina pants, size 15, 16, would show evidence of possible length alteration. Pieces of nylon cord. According to the medical examiner for the Portland Crime Lab, Dr. William Bradley, the young woman known as Finley Creek Jane Doe was very pregnant at the time of her death and was likely very close to her proximate due date, which is so awful, so heartbreaking and sad. According to the report at the time from the state medical examiner, Dr. William Bradley, Finley Creek Jane Doe stood about 5 feet 2 inches to 5 feet 4 inches tall, and she weighed 114 to 140 pounds. She had light brown or blonde-colored hair and was more than likely of Caucasian ethnicity. She was wearing a halter top, red trousers, and high work boots at the time of her death indicating that it more than likely would have been sometime in summer when she was murdered due to the type of clothing she was wearing when her remains were found. It was thought that she may have been left buried in that grave between 1975 or any time up to 1977, about a year before her remains were discovered. The remains located in the block of Earth belonged to either that of a newborn child or a full-term unborn child and would mean that the Finley Creek Jane Doe was likely as far along in her pregnancy as eight to nine months when she died. According to a LeGrand Observer article that was published on August 30th, 1978, then-district attorney Dale Mammon of the Union County Attorney's Office was quoted as saying, quote, a knotted length of what appeared to be radio antenna cable around three feet long, which was found in the grave, unquote. That length of rope, as well as how her remains were found, pointed to this woman having been brutally murdered while she was late in her pregnancy with her unborn child. Both her and her child were left in a shallow grave to be lost in the woods and time. With the theft of her life, she not only lost her life, she lost the life of her unborn child, her family, and also her identity. The grave where Finley Creek Jane Doe and that of her child have been found in measured at 4 feet long, 20 inches wide, and 29 inches deep. In a quote from the article from the LeGrand Observer back in September 19, 1978, quote, Someone made the effort to take the young woman and her unborn child into the forest, dig a significant hole in the ground, and cover them with earth in hopes that they would not be found, unquote. Finley Creek saw the demise of not one, but two unknown victims that awful day sometime before August of 1977.
1: It's so awful that she and her baby lost their lives that day and remained literally undiscovered for, for so long. It's just one of those things that really breaks your heart. It's so tragic that no one could identify her immediately as her remains were just too far decomposed for, for any form of identification at that time. In the weeks that followed, the Oregon State Police continued to try and identify the unknown woman and her child. As far as they were able to determine, nothing immediately pointed to the identity of the Finley Creek Jane Doe. No one had reported anyone missing in that area around the time frame that she would have been murdered. Oregon State Police sent teletypes to police agencies in eight Western states as a means of inquiring about any runaway persons or missing persons in their area in hopes of identifying the woman who was only known as the Finley Creek Jane Doe. A month after Finley Creek Jane Doe's remains were found, D.A. Mamet was able to release some information regarding her case. There had been a tip received by the Oregon State Police from an unidentified woman who had stated that she thought that the female remains may belong to that of a 17-year-old woman from McMinnville, Oregon, who had been about seven and a half months pregnant. Her name had been Christina Tina Bradford. The tipsters stated that the young woman named Tina Bradford was with a man named Paul Womack and had been in that area around 1977. Police were unable to find any information on either Tina Bradford or Paul Womack, and despite their plea to the public, police never heard back from the tipster, and so that lead on just who the Finley Creek Jane Doe may have been dried up. And with that lead from the anonymous tipster drying up, so did any headway on the Finley Creek Jane Doe case. The Finley Creek Jane Doe and her young infant child were both cremated as is normal procedure for these types of cases. Unfortunately, her remains locations are unknown at this time. Decades passed and Finley Creek Jane Doe remained unidentified and nameless. Hopes of identifying the young woman had long since disappeared As with many cold cases, it is much harder to solve these cases as more and more time goes past. But one of the wonderful things that has come to fruition in the decades since this now unsolved cold case occurred is the invention of the internet, DNA science, and surprisingly, even social media has played a large part in solving cold cases. Unfortunately, it is important to remember that Finley Creek Jane Doe's case is over 40 years old, Many of the investigators who were originally involved have passed away, evidence has long since been lost, and it was recently learned that Jane Doe and her baby's remains had been ordered to be cremated sometime after the examiners had conducted their autopsy of her remains. One thing that does still exist is record of her dental charts, which can be utilized to compare with the dental records of other missing persons in hopes of possibly identifying her that way. Unfortunately, due to the fact that Findlay Creek Jane Doe's remains, as well as her babies, were cremated, it is unknown if there will be any way to obtain DNA evidence in her case. Her cremated ashes, as well as that of her child's, have actually been missing for many years, as well as much of the evidence and information regarding her case have also disappeared in the last 40 plus years. So this unfortunately makes the chance of utilizing DNA evidence slim to none, until these articles can be tracked down if they even still exist. There are some photos of her skull and her teeth, which did show that the Finley Creek Jane Doe had had a lot of dental work done previous to her murder. And while Finley Creek Jane Doe's case may have remained unsolved for 40 years, there are those who have heard her story and who are determined to change that status to one of being a solved case. In 2018, a group of researchers challenged themselves to find out just who the Finley Creek Jane Doe was, and they are working tirelessly each and every day to make sure that while her name may be unknown, her face and her story will not be. In 2018, cold case researcher Jason Futch came across the Finley Creek Jane Doe case, and after reading her case, he began to research it. He utilized newspaper articles from back during the time when her body was first found. Jason began publishing his research on the case on a true crime forum, and it is through that when he caught the attention of Union County resident Melinda, who prefers to be called Mel, Jetterberg, who had previously worked as a correctional officer. The case appealed to Mel as she had been surprised that while being from the area of Union County, she'd actually never heard about the Finley Creek Jane Doe case. And from there, the Finley Creek Jane Doe Task Force, or... FCTF for short was created. The task force is comprised of a group of volunteer researchers comprising of Melinda Mel Jetterberg, Jason Futch, Kather Sen, a forensic artist and volunteer researcher Anthony Redgrave, and Kathy Casper, a local volunteer researcher. The FCTF has been trying to work past several hurdles facing them in finally giving the Finley Creek Jane Doe back her identity and perhaps even solving her murder and that of her child's all those years ago. Some of the hurdles they are currently dealing with is that this case is in fact 40 years old and a lot of the information that existed has been lost to time. The team has worked hard to locate and obtain records relating to the Finley Creek Jane Doe. And in March of 2020, they were able to obtain a limited release of the Finley Creek Jane Doe case file, which contained autopsy photos crime scene photos, and case records. It was those autopsy photos that allowed the group to obtain the help and services of Anthony Lucas Redgrave, a forensic artist from the Redgrave Research Forensic Services, which is a forensic DNA and research facility that aids law enforcement agencies with forensic reconstruction and DNA analysis. Jason Futch is one of the creators of a podcast concerning cold cases, as well as working with investigators on cold cases. And he utilized his connection with Anthony Redgrave to see if the group could leverage Redgrave's artistic abilities in order to try to recreate what Finley Creek Jane Doe may have looked like. Redgrave agreed to lend his help to the group, and he also joined the FCTF researchers and is currently offering his services to the group free of charge. Which is amazing. Just amazing. By utilizing those autopsy photos from the original case file, Anthony Redgrave was able to build the composite sketch of Finley Creek Jane Doe. It was quoted from the FCTF website that when Mel Jetterberg stared into that young woman's face and her eyes, she stated that, quote, I got goosebumps, I got a little bit teary-eyed, a little bit, and I'm not the only one, unquote. I definitely understand that that reaction. I had that myself when I saw her face. According to Anthony Redgrave, having a good piece of forensic art can make a significant difference in identifying someone. Anthony Redgrave is quoted as saying, quote, People recognize faces and characteristics carry across families, unquote. Redgrave said this is one of the reasons he does what he does. Even if people don't recognize the face of a stranger, he said, they care more about a stranger once they see their face. And so because of the work of these wonderful and amazing group of folks that have built up the Finley Creek Task Force, the Jane Doe from Finley Creek finally has a face for researchers to put with her case. And with that, a piece of who she may have been in life began to take life once more after all these years. The Finley Creek Jane Doe is now far closer to having her identity solved And perhaps one day we may know what cruel, awful human decided to take her life and that of her unborn child and leave her in the woods of Finley Creek.
0: Woo, man.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, wow. This case just, like, strikes me. It's, It's insane. And I just love how a bunch of random strangers got together and are now a booming task force.
1: I agree. I love that they were able to utilize the wonders of the Internet 40 years later. And all of them were touched by her story. And you have to remember, none of them had seen her face yet. So they they all had that emotional pull to her case and just give up their free time all the time to to make sure that her case stays alive. You, you've you got to respect that.
0: Oh, yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Like we talk about our nerdling acts of kindness. This is time. A thousand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's
1: I mean, this is something it just shows, too, that like any of us could do this. Any of us can go and help and volunteer our time or pick up an old cold case and see what they can find on it or get people talking about it, whether that's building a website or looking up old articles, you know, volunteering on the Name Us databases or the Jane and John Doe ones. You know, those are all volunteer based organizations, most of those. So there's a lot that people can do to help. There's a lot of conversations that can happen So it really does make you realize that a small group of people can really make a huge difference.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, this Finley Creek Jane Doe, she had a family. Yeah. Someone has to be missing her.
1: Absolutely. I mean, she definitely belonged to somebody. It's, I mean, she was seven, eight months pregnant at least. It's so, I can't even imagine. Like, how how does somebody kill an innocent woman? And, and her baby like that's just a whole different level of low
0: yeah it's it's awful and I mean I have to ask Nat what is your theory on this um I I'm, I've
1: got a few I think on this one just because she was strangled and how she was left I go back and forth I, I could go behind maybe I know some of the theories in this case have been that of like serial killers and things like that there were some active serial killers around that area in that time frame I don't no, she meets the like criteria for some of them. Um, she very well could be, but I don't know. I kind of personally lean towards this being more of a domestic violence situation that escalated dramatically.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, in cases of strangulation, it's a lot more personal for the most part. Because I mean, you physically, well, this was yeah. a radio antenna, but I mean, you are seeing the life go out of this person's body with their you're looking into their eyes as this is happening.
1: Oh, I can't so Yeah. Oof. I just I can't even imagine doing that. And Ash and I are gonna share share her image that Anthony put together, but she she was stunning. You can tell she just was young. I think that was the first thing that struck me is just how young she was. Like, you read the case and it's 40 years old, so you don't really have that association based on just reading the case notes. You know, her remains were too decomposed at that point. But when you see the picture that Anthony created of her, the composite sketch, it just, like, is like a gut punch. It really hits you so, so hard.
0: Yeah, and I can't believe the feelings that the task force must have had when they saw that photo.
1: I can't. To have spent all of this time and research on her case and never know what her face looked like, and then to see that photo must have been overwhelming. I I can't imagine that there were dry eyes. I, I just can't. I know I I definitely would, just even reading the case, um, I, I love when you get to the little bit more hopeful part where you find out that the task force has gotten involved in taking this on and, and what they've done so far with her case. I know, I, I definitely got teary-eyed, so. This is a really kind it's a sad case, but where it's at is in a really kind place and a really good place.
0: Yeah. As much as um, we see these crime cases and cold cases and Jane Doe's, you kind of lose hope for humanity. And then you hear about people like the task force and then it kind of just gives you hope.
1: It does. That's a good way of saying it, that there's just some part of it that just uplifts you. And it just makes you realize like, Man, there are some really amazingly good people out there who get nothing from this. They're not getting paid. This is all volunteer. And that's a really important thing to to stress is that these folks are doing it on their own time. And the fact that they take time out of their busy everyday lives to do this for this woman they never knew is just, it's it's really, it's special. It's really special.
0: It definitely is. And we are just so excited to have you nerdlings get to hear these people's voices and what they have brought to the table with this case in our next episode.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's like we said, it just shows that each and every one of us, you know, we can do it. We can all help out. I know Ash and I, one of the things that we've discussed doing is, you know, adding more and more unsolved cases to our website or to, you know, our social media in order to help draw attention, especially when there's not a lot of information, which most of these Jane and John Doe cases, there's very little information. Finley Creek is an exception because the FTCF task force, they've gone above and beyond and they have created that for her. They have done so much research over the last two years to try and get her that web presence. But that is definitely a rarity. It's not a common occurrence. Um, Ash and I know just from our experience in researching these types of cases. So, you know, that's ways people can help if you're good at building a website. You know, pick up a cold case and build a website and start start the conversations happening.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we would have never have found this case if it weren't for Facebook.
1: Because we actually, that's true.
0: yeah, we had Mel reach out. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And so, then, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, you can't beat it. That's for sure. You know, there are there are downsides to social media. Absolutely. But it's when it's being used like this that you see that there can be so much good from it. So what are your thoughts on the initial handling of the investigation, just with the evidence retention and all of that?
0: Oof, um, that's yeah. tough because I understand in a way of like holding on to a bunch of remains that with so many missing persons cases and a lot of John and Jane Doe's that there isn't a lot of space for these remains Mm -hmm. to be put. But I absolutely don't think you should take them and cremate them and get rid of them. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. if this person was a living, breathing human being, they need justice. They need to have a name. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: So, I mean, I can see both sides, but I definitely don't think it's right that her remains are just nowhere to be found I just yeah that doesn't make sense to me
1: I hope that they can they can track those down soon because I think that that would really you know I don't know it may be too old and, and at that point after having gone through the cremation process there really may not be any available DNA but it's better to try it and fail than to not even be able to go that route and try so I'm with you it's it's a tricky situation because things were just done so differently back then that I don't blame anyone or anything like that. You know, you can't with these older cases. It just, it was a different world. It was a different time. The technology just wasn't there. A lot of folks just didn't have that core forensic knowledge that we now have today to understand the importance of retaining that. But, you know, it definitely is a learning lesson. And hopefully going forward, you know, we won't have that happen in future cases. You know, as science advances, it gives more and more investigators a chance to actually test that dna one of the cool things is is that dr nisi vance she's with the oregon state medical examiner's office she is actually at this point in time taking pretty much all of the remains for jane and john doe cases and keeping them in her office so as not to lose track of those so it's really nice to see that that there are steps being rectified Dr. Vance is also helping the Finley Creek Jane Doe task force and has been a large advocate for the task force in obtaining information and just getting as far as they have been. So she's definitely an ally for them as well.
0: Oh yeah, that is, that's amazing to take that step because she knows that there's a problem with that. So to just mm-hmm. kind of cut that out and take those right. bones and, or DNA or what have you and just keep that locked away so they can't be touched.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that hopefully in the future, you know, they'll solve more and more cases by more and more MEs doing stuff like that, making sure that the remains stay intact as much as possible. So I think now we've learned a lot of lessons since we did 40 years ago about keeping track of remains that have been unidentified You just, you can't cremate them. You need them. It's pretty much the only way to identify them at this point in time.
0: Oh, definitely. And with that, nerdlings, we just wanted to say that we were touched and honored to have had the chance to cover the still unsolved case of the Finley Creek Jane Doe. Join us next week as we sit down and interview the Finley Creek Jane Doe Task Force members to gain their insight and experience in trying to solve the identity of just who Finley Creek Jane Doe was and their efforts to give this woman and her unborn child their identity back. We would love our listeners to share her image far and wide and share her story to help the FCTF group get her face in front of as many folks as possible. You can find updates on her case on the Finley Creek Jane Doe website and her Facebook page that is maintained by the FC Task Force. We will share her image on our socials, as well as the links to the website and Facebook page in our show notes for folks. Everyone deserves a name, and we hope that one day soon, we will all know just who the Finley Creek Jane Doe was, and why she was murdered all those years ago in the woods of Finley Creek, Oregon. And if you liked this episode, or any of our others, please hit that subscribe button. And feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast subscriber. You can also hit us up on our Instagram, at Nerds. Or check out our case notes at crimetimenerds.com, where we post references and photos of all of our cases. We also have a Twitter account, which is at crimetimenerds, and an email you can reach us at, which is crimetimenerds at gmail.com. Until next time, you crime-loving nerds.